Good morning. morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Mike White, and I currently serve as a shepherding deacon here at the church. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Give ear to our prayers, gracious God, and attend to our cries. We call on you knowing that you will answer and make your way known to us. We seek to follow the path you show us. We take courage knowing that you are kind and just in all you do. When we need assurance, you gather us in the shadow of your wing. As we mature in faith, you give us wings to fly on our own. Meet each one of us in our particular need this hour. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our, our, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more and the sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let us worship God. Dear friends, the gospel and the scriptures urge us to acknowledge our sins, to not conceal them in the presence of God our Heavenly Father, but confess them with a penitent and obedient heart. We do this so that we may be forgiven through his boundless mercy and goodness. Let's admit our sins before God humbly. Let us draw near to the throne of our gracious God and pray together the prayer of confession. Most high God, we confess that we have not aspired to the best that we know. We have neither set our hope on Christ 
nor treated others with the love and respect we crave for ourselves. We seek to avoid entering into the depths of another's pain or risking our wealth out of compassion for your saints. We do not want to embrace those who we perceive as enemies, nor do good to those who hate us. We are afraid to trust the working of Christ's power among us. O oh God, help us to accept demands of faith so we may experience its joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. With an everlasting covenant sealed by love and mercy, God has clothed us all with salvation and love and mercy. He has saved us, he has covered us with his righteousness. Our God has promised his forgiveness. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Now on this beautiful Lord's Day, let us once again join the host of Christians around the world by sharing together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, <coughs> maker of heaven and earth, <coughs> and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, <coughs> who is born by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, <coughs> suffered under Pontius Pilate, <coughs> was crucified, dead, and buried, he descended into hell. The third day, <clears throat> he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, <clears throat> and the life everlasting. <clears throat> Amen. On this glorious day, it's good to have a lot of our <clears throat> people back and uh, find somebody you haven't seen for a few months and greet them in the name of our Lord.
Good morning. We do welcome you this morning. We're so glad to see some old familiar faces and thankful that we have this great time of the year where we get to welcome back more and more people from uh, up north somewhere. And uh, we are delighted that you brought such beautiful weather with you and thankful that we can be together as the people of God in all seasons of life and rejoice in getting to know each other uh, with a quick handshake uh, in the midst of this service, but also hopefully with a conversation following our service. We invite you to join us underneath the tree and uh, for some fellowship, please sign the friendship pads which are in the pews and pass those along to your neighbor. And um, maybe today you'll not just let that breeze right past you, but you'll take a look at all those names and wonder about somebody that you need to have a further conversation with. We uh, believe in mission here uh, at Church of the Palms. We're always seeking to find ways to love God and love our neighbor. And uh, you'll have a concrete way to do that with us if you like. In a couple of Wednesdays from now, we'll be over in the campus center uh, packing uh, meals for 10,000 people. Um, that will be the uh, goal for the evening. And uh, we'll have children and youth and families and folks from all generations there. You are more than welcome to come and join us in that event. And uh, there's information about that in your bulletin, but we would love to have you come and join us. Also, we'd love to have you help us out with ringing the red kettle bell for the Salvation Army. We'll be hearing more about this next Sunday, along with our angel tree. That's not going to be in our bulletin. That is going to be in our service today, the Minute for Mission. But we would love for you to come and uh, help us out with that. You can sign up for the Salvation Army bell uh, ringing this right now after our service underneath the tree. And you can sign up for an angel tree uh, family next, uh, next Sunday. We look forward to, on the 20th of November, the Cole Quartet. Uh, this is a wonderful musical group uh, in the area. They will be with us on Sunday afternoon, so come and join us for that. It's a great opportunity for us to continue to enjoy the beautiful arts which God has uh, provided us. Also, we are grateful to have Judy Lutz leading us today. Uh, Judy has her back to us, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, Jonathan Spivey is under the weather uh, over last night, so we're uh, grateful to have Judy step in quickly and help us out with that. We are delighted. We are also delighted in what God has done for us here at Church of the Palms and thankful that we have the opportunity to support all of these ministries and missions. If you look on the back of your bulletin, you'll see a little chart there that shows our progress toward the uh, goal that we have of our giving for 2016. Uh, a month or so ago, we showed the progress through the three quarters of our year, and now we're inching our way uh, forward. And you'll see the balance there that we need to reach by the end of this year so that we can fully support not only all of our mission partners, but all of our ministries here at Church of the Palm. So we invite you to uh, keep that as a priority in your life, your giving throughout the rest of the year. We receive a, a great share of our giving in the last two months of the year, and we hope that you will keep that as a priority here at Church of the Palms. We know that, especially in this month, the season of Thanksgiving, that it's out of a thankful heart that we are most joyful in our giving. And so we invite you always to consider what God has done for you in your life, and especially perhaps what God has done for you through Church of the Palms, and also what God has done through you in your ministry at Church of the Palms and the great joy that he has brought you. And we thought we'd share a little story with you today and we have a video that features one of our church members and uh, the way by which she has experienced God's grace here at Church of the Palms. 
My name is Faye Mercer, and my husband and I and, and kids uh, started coming here to Church of the Palms back in 1976. Um, over the years, the church, I, I discover, has really, really impacted um, my life and my family's life, not just me. It impacted my children growing up, and it impacted Paul with all the things that he's done, and it impacted me and continues to impact me as I continue my spiritual journey here. I am so privileged to be a constant receiver of the nourishment and, that I receive here from the church community, from the ministers, uh, the congregation, um, from my care receivers when I had a care receiver for Stephen Ministry, through problems with uh, health issues where food was delivered, through um, just prayer support when Paul was sick, um, just everything. Um, my whole life really revolves around the church. It just continues to, um, to feed me and um, to uh, help me continue um, serving other people because it's through them that I'm, I want to serve more. It's, it's not something that I feel obligated to do. It's something that I really feel I need to do. Uh, I'm just called to help. Throughout the years, I've been approached many times and asked, well, how did you begin serving here at Church of the Palms, and, and what can I do? I don't really have any gifts um, to, to do. I don't, I don't know what I can do. I tell them that originally I felt the same way, that um, I really didn't know what to do. And I started out, really, my first uh, volunteer work that I did was helping in the, in the kitchen. And you don't always have to serve. You can participate in the small groups, uh, Wednesday programs, Sunday programs, and that's how another way for you to get to know people. But eventually, um, I, I believe that you would be feeling the call, the urge, the pull um, to participate more and volunteering, um, even if it's um, ushering uh, once a month or. or there's just so many places um, to do volunteer work here at the church. I just um, urge you that if you do have the, the pull, the, the, the urge to do something, that there is so much opportunity here at Church of the Ponds for you to participate in. Faye's story is like so many of our stories and the thanksgiving that we all have for what God has done in allowing us to be a part of the Church of Jesus Christ to experience all the blessings and joys of being in this fellowship and the opportunity we have to serve a world in need. We are blessed not only to be a part of the Church of Jesus Christ that dwells upon this earth, but also we Rejoice in the communion that we experience with all the saints. Today is the first Sunday of November, and that's the day at Church of the Palms when we take the time to remember all the saints who have passed over the course of this past year. And we invite you to take out the insert in your bulletin as we share together in our litany for the saints. I invite you to respond in the bold print. 
God of all ages, we praise you for all your servants who having lived this life in faith now live eternally with you. For disciples and martyrs and saints of every time and place, for those who have served bravely, witnessed faithfully, and whose light still shines in the world. For those we have known and loved who by their faithful obedience and strong hope have shown to us the mind of Christ. And for those of our church family whom we now remember in silence. Keep us grateful for their witness. Give us a sure faith that we may without fear trust those who are dear to us to your never failing love. And then at the last, bring us with them into the inheritance you have promised in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Let us pray. Loving God, we give you thanks for the blessings we received from you every moment of our lives. Teach us to be ever more generous to you, just as you have been generous and loving to us, so that your work and your grace and your love and your peace may continue to spread and fill the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated as Emma and the children come forward. Good morning, everyone. Are you all well rested with your extra hour of sleep? I know I am. <laughs> so today, I am Jonah. And one day, God asked me, or more like he told me, he said, Jonah, go to Nineveh and tell those people to quit being so mean. I don't really want to go to Nineveh, and I don't really want to follow God's rules or directions, so I decided to hide. Do you think that I could hide from God? No, probably not, but I did anyway. I went to this big boat, and I hid at the bottom, and as soon as this ship took off, a huge storm came, and the ship was walking back and forth and back and forth, and all of the sailors were so scared that they started throwing everything off the ship and freaking out and yelling, and finally they asked me, Jonah, can you pray to your God and ask him to stop the storm? Well, I had a confession to make. I'm the reason why there is a storm. It's because God's mad at me for hiding from him, and then I felt kind of bad. I don't want all these people to drown just because of me. So I told them, if you throw me off the side of the ship, then the storm will be gone. They did as I said, and as soon as I hit the water, the skies cleared, and they got out of there as soon as possible. And as I sunk into the water, this biggest fish that you've ever seen, bigger than this whole entire building, so like really big, came and gulp, swallowed me whole. You wanna know how long I was in that fish for? Three days, and it smelled really bad. And wanna know what it looks like? Cover your eyes like this. It was dark and scary, and I was super afraid. You can open your eyes. Okay. <laughs> and I was super afraid. And then I also felt pretty sorry about not following God's directions and obeying him. So you know what I decided to do? I decided to pray. And you know how they say that you can pray anywhere? Well, ain't that the truth. I prayed in a fish. So I prayed and said, dear God, I'm so sorry for not following your directions. Please help me to obey you. And right as I finished my prayer and said amen, that stinky fish spit me up onto the shore. I looked around and said, thanks, God. And then I went to Nineveh, just as he asked. I mean, probably would have been easier to just do it in the first place, but I still went. Will you guys pray with me? Dear God, thank you for all you do. Please help us to always listen to your words and follow your directions. And help us to open our ears to listen to all you have to say. We love you so much, and we pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. Great to have Emma share with us with her great gifts. Bet you couldn't tell a story like that, huh? <laughs> Emma's one of our high school students and we're grateful to have her in so many facets of our ministry. So she uh, recited for us the first half of the story of Jonah and today 
I will be reading to you the second half of the story of Jonah found in the third and fourth chapters of the book of Jonah. Hear the word of God. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. And Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone great and small put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows, God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? This is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you're a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. Now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. And the Lord God appointed a bush and made it come over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it, with, so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a, in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also many animals? This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name, amen. Lily Tomlin, the great philosopher of our time, <laughs> once said, 
If love is the answer, could you please rephrase the question? If love is the answer, could you please rephrase the question? So the question this morning is, who's going to win the election? It's been the question for a long time, a really long time. <laughs> Too long of a time. Who's going to win the election? The polls are narrowing, they're expanding, the candidates are campaigning feverishly, the cable talking heads are talking 24 hours a day, early voting is over, get out the vote campaigns are in full force. And come Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, we will know the answer to the question, who is going to win the election? Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't think it matters what candidate you are for. When Wednesday morning rolls around, it's not going to feel like much of a win. You know what I mean. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be a lot of dancing in the streets no matter what side you're on. Juxtapose this election to what happened last Wednesday night when the cursed Cubs of Chicago, waiting for their first World Series win in 108 years, finally won. Now I submit to you that even Indians fans can find something, at least something to cheer about in that. I can say that because I'm a Cardinal fan and Cardinal fans really don't like Cubs. <laughs> and furthermore, the Boston Red Sox, their last cursed team, shook their curse at the expense of the Cardinals back in 2004. I wasn't jumping them down for the Sox, but it is still good to turn on the TV and see a parade and dancing in the streets. There's always something to cheer about when the curse has been exercised. Makes me think of Jesus' story, the prodigal son. The younger of two sons goes off, blows it all, and as a result, shrouds himself in curse, wondering if he can even go home. But go home he does, and he's met by his gracious father, who strips him of his cursed cloak and wraps him in the best robe, puts on a ring on his finger, kills the fatted calf and strikes up the band and would that the story just ended there with that ticker tape parade. But no, Jesus knows us better than that. He knows that there is this older brother who when he hears that the cursed half of the family has finally won, finally threw off the monkey from their back, he can't bring himself to celebrate. He just doesn't get it that none of us wins unless all of us win. Who's going to win the election? Well, if love is the answer, could you please rephrase the question? It feels a little bit like the conversation we hear in that great story of Jonah. Most of us have heard the story of Jonah, especially the first half of the story that I did not read that Emma did such a wonderful job reciting. In that half of the story, there is an election. And the election that takes place is that God elects Jonah to be the prophet, to be the messenger of good news to a lost people. Jonah is elected to preach, kind of like John the Baptist, a message of repentance and forgiveness to what appears to be a godless people, the citizens of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of ancient Assyria. It encompassed, interestingly enough, what is now present-day Mosul. 
Right now, there is a great battle to win Mosul. Well, in the biblical story, there is a great battle for the same city, but the strategy is something very different. The strategy is telling the good news that God is gracious, God is loving, God doesn't win until everybody wins. And Jonah is elected to tell the good news, but Jonah doesn't like the assignment, runs away, takes a ship west, but God won't let Jonah go. God won't let Jonah go. Interesting, God won't let Jonah go, and God won't let Nineveh go. Hmm. The father won't let the younger son go, and the father won't let the elder son go. Hmm. Nobody wins unless everybody wins. So the big whale swallows Jonah because God won't let him go. And now Jonah quite reluctantly goes to Nineveh to preach the good news, and horror of horrors, the Ninevites, Ninevites take the bait. They repent, they accept the good news, they embrace this embracing God, and Jonah doesn't like it one bit, not one bit. I told you, he says to God, I told you that if you had your way, oh, they would win the election. I told you that you were a gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. I knew somehow you were going to make those people into winners. I knew that once you started preaching good news, oh, they'd start believing it. I knew that once that boy came home, once that boy came home, you'd take him in. I knew that once those Cubs finally had another chance, they'd win the World Series. That doesn't mean I have to like it. And God says, Jonah, nobody wins unless everybody wins. It might be better to rename the story of Jonah. We call it Jonah. The Bible calls it Jonah, but really it's not about Jonah. In fact, that's one of the painful things that Jonah learns in this story, that it's not about him. It's about God. God is the electing one. Maybe best to call the story, God rigs the election. <laughs> Who wins the election when God is running it? Well, love is the answer to that question. Love wins the election, and when love wins the election, when God elects to love us, well, then we all win. That's the good news. That's why we are here this morning. I think of that picture of Harry Truman on the cover of your bulletin, the morning after his election, the morning after everybody, including himself, was sure that he was going to lose to Thomas Dewey, including the Chicago Daily Tribune, which went to press with the headline, Dewey defeats Truman. And so there stands Truman holding up the front page of the paper with that big smile across his face. And there stands the king of Nineveh with that big smile across his face. And there stands that prodigal son with that big smile across his face. And there stands that old Cubs fan with that big smile across his face that despite, despite whatever has happened, 
despite what I think I'm worth, despite all of my weaknesses, despite my secret sins, despite the prediction of my neighbors and friends and enemies, God still elects to love me. And, and not just me, but God elects to love the world. It's a two-part story, right? First, God elects me. First, God elects Jonah to be in his story. But then comes the second act. God elects the Ninevites. Really? God elects the Ninevites? God holds on to Jonah. Won't let Jonah go. And God holds on to those Ninevites and won't let them go either. In C.S. Lewis's great little parable, The Great Divorce, he imagines the citizens of hell being given the chance to once more time enter into heaven. And one of the citizens of hell was invited into heaven, but he learns that a man he once knew who had done him harm was already in. That somehow, some way, God got a hold of that scoundrel and chose to not let him go. And the man can't do it. I can't go. I just can't go in. He can't go in if God is holding on to that guy. Nobody wins unless everybody wins. When Cardinal Bernadine of Chicago years ago was falsely accused of sexual misconduct by a confused and angry young man after months and months of anguish of having to live under the curse of this false condemnation, this prince of the church being called in the newspapers every name in the book, finally the young man confessed his sin of false accusation. The cardinal never did what he said he did. And so, of course, there's no other way for the story to end than for the cardinal holding mass for that one young man. And in his homily said to his accuser that in every family comes hurt and anger and alienation, but we cannot run away from our family. We must be reconciled. God holds on to all of us. So said Gordon Wilson, a good Irish Methodist whose precious daughter was killed in Belfast by a bomb set by the IRA. On the morning after her death, Wilson stood before the hospital and said, hate will not bring my Marie back. So I bear no grudge. I pray daily for the forgiveness of her killers. Love is the bottom line, he said. God has a hold of all of us. So if love is the answer, could we rephrase the question? And maybe at this table we will. Maybe at this table we will get a hold of ourselves or more importantly, let the good Lord get a hold of us. Maybe at this table, joined by all the saints, joined by all the citizens of heaven, joined by all those we don't even necessarily want to be joined by, joined by everybody that God is holding on to. 
we will begin to think about asking a different question. The great election question. The one that does not have as its answer Hillary or Donald. The one that has as its answer love. God elects the world in his son. God elects the world in his son. And who's going to win that election? Oh friends, let's hope that it's the widow and the orphan. Let's hope it's the hungry and the sick and the lonely and the imprisoned and the stranger. Let's hope it's the holier than thou Pharisee and the ashamed and lowly tax collector. Let's hope it's Peter, Judas, and doubting Thomas. Let's hope it's the citizens of Nineveh and the citizens of Mosul. Let's hope it is the Republican and the Democrat. Let's hope it's the prodigal son and the elder son. Let's hope it's the Indian and the cub. Let's hope it's the Methodist and the Catholic and the Jew and the Muslim and all those sorry Presbyterians. <laughs> and let's not just hope, let us accept our election, our election, elected to tell the good news, elected to proclaim the bottom line, elected to answer the question, who's going to win this election? Who's going to win this election? Well, nobody wins unless everybody wins.
Isn't it good news to know that your invitation to come to this table, invitation that you have received from Jesus the Christ, has come to you not because of anything you did this week or didn't do, comes to you not by virtue of who you've chosen to vote for or who you will choose to vote for, comes to you not because you got an A-plus on your test, comes to you because we are all broken human beings in need of the grace of God. It comes to you as it comes to all the world that God seeks to elect all people and invites them all to come to this table to find here the gifts of grace and mercy, the feast of forgiveness and love. So friends, rejoice. We have all become winners in the eyes of God. Our sins have been buried in the deepest sea. And we're all invited to be at this table in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, filled by the Holy Spirit, elected to be God's light in the world. So come, receive these good gifts. Come with humble hearts. Come knowing that you are loved by the one who invites you. Hear the words, the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again. And he will come again. Let us pray. We rejoice, O Lord, that we are enveloped by the saints. We are with that heavenly community. We are with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit we have been invited into that communion. We rejoice, O oh Lord, that even the likes of us get to come to your table. So we pray, O oh Lord, that you will allow this earthly food to become for us a spiritual feast, that we may once again understand who we are and then understand whose we are and know that we have been accepted. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Remind us of your deep and abiding presence and help us to be the faithful followers of Jesus Christ who taught us all to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. After supper, Jesus took the cup. Mm -hmm. 